Hey, I'm Mel. And I'm Andres, and you're listening to Mixtape, your favorite Afro-Latin podcast. What she said. Today we're listening to Ancogido La Cosa by Grupo Nietzsche. Grupo Nietzsche is a Colombian salsa band founded in Cali, La Sucursal del Cielo, in the late 70s. The word Nietzsche, in the name of the band, is largely used in Colombia as an endearing term for black people. Grupo Nietzsche is still one of the most recognized Colombian salsa bands. The founders of the group, Jairo Varela and Alexis Lozano, were both born in Quibdó, the capital of Chocó, a province in the Pacific coast of Colombia known for its large black population. In Ancogido La Cosa, Grupo Nietzsche talks about some of the ways in which black people face racism in Colombia. The song is dear to me because growing up I found solace hearing Grupo Nietzsche sing about things that I was facing as a teenager. The song starts with Ancogido La Cosa, que para reírse se burlan de mí. It's become a thing that for them to get a laugh, they make fun of me. Grupo Nietzsche also sings Que tengo grande la boca y la nariz, que nada bueno me encuentran a mí, que soy prieto, que soy carabalí, pero orgulloso me siento yo así. That my mouth and nose are big. That they can't find anything good in me. That I am black. That I am Caravali. But I feel proud of it. And they also sing a line that hits very close to home here in the States and highlights the different assumptions made based on race. They sing. Blanco corriendo atleta. Negro corriendo ratero. White man running athlete. Black man running thug. Welcome to track 5. This is Mixtape. Hey everyone, it's Mel. Hey, this is Andres. And we are coming to you in track five. Track five already, huh? Yes, oh my gosh, I can't believe we've made it this yeah, far. We have a single. We have a single too. I feel yeah. like a musical artist. Yeah, I didn't I wasn't expecting I don't know. I, I wouldn't I wasn't expecting us to be in this place when we started, honestly. Um, like I knew we were gonna do a summary but with it's just so much information that we've received that, it's a lot of information yeah um, i mean i'm excited uh about you know what we're about to do but um yeah it's it's been it's been a reckoning with how much uh it's out there yeah that way yeah i mean before we get into this um what was it like for you taking a step back and listening to the episodes a second time because there's like listening to the episodes yeah. and then there's listening to talk about what our reflections are and yeah i mean i i um i enjoy them very much um of course the the one i enjoyed the least not that i didn't enjoy it but the one that wasn't the least enjoyable one i guess is our own voices yes right yeah, absolutely uh, it's i'm like i know the story you're like yeah right. i don't need so, to listen again. but it was more about you know recognize like what what from all the things that we said mm-hmm. could be um, valuable for or summarizable for our conversation today. But uh, overall, I think I enjoy very much sort of going through uh, and listening to, um, you know, what our guests had to say, not only uh, Lauren, Kimberly, and Sharita and Victor, but also in, in Mijenta track where we had the listeners, they also had like very interesting things to say. Yeah. So it was, it was refreshing 
of course there's a sense of oh my god i'm this like i was literally in this conversation i'm listening to it again so there's it's a little bit weird to be like doing the overdue yeah i mean we've heard this at least like 10 times yeah each. yeah but as i was listening to it like the same thing i was like excited about it and in some way it was like i was listening to it again for the first time like if sharita or victor Kimberly lauren would say something i'd be like that's true like that's right mm -hmm. and then it's like a, a revisiting of like and and things that and things that exactly and things like you were like oh like i didn't like we could have stressed that more like we could explore that more yeah. uh, and they just kind of went on you know uh, we could just continue with the conversation or whatever. And well, that's what this episode is for, right? Yeah, I right. mean, there were things that came up in the conversations and maybe we just want to revisit it, revive it. Yeah. And um, so for those of you who are listening to this track for the first time and have not listened to the other tracks, yeah. I'm just going to give you an invitation to go back. Yeah. <laughs> go back, listen to the other tracks. Um, and even like, if you've listened to it already and have time, listen to it again. Yeah. And because it has been a different process from being part of the conversation for me, being a part of the conversation and kind of, um, helping us navigate the conversation and then uh, listening to it again and saying, what is it specifically that I want to take out of this? Right. No, actually, actually, that's very, that's very useful because it was, that's one of the things that was different, um, as we, as we get started with this episode in which we're trying to, you know, collect all this information and try to give it some shape, some recognize some themes and some recommendations to move forward was that listening the activity or approaching the information as a listener was very different as approaching the information as the person in the conversation itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like as the person in the conversation, as the listener, and as someone who's wanting to take something out of yeah, it. Like yeah. I think you can listen to something just for the information yes, and yes, then also yeah, yeah. listen to it for saying and how, almost, what does this mean to me in an almost like academic way like because i was yeah. like okay taking notes <laughs> andres has way more notes than me by the way <laughs> I'm, I'm this is why he has the, the phd I'm already very, i'm very systematic yeah i mean you're, <laughs> yeah you're getting there I'm, i don't know if you'll get there but <laughs> i will i promise um okay so yeah so the why don't uh, we start by uh, again reiterating what we want to do today um and then we'll get right into it yeah, so um, we are not going to provide a huge summary, uh, a comprehensive summary of everything that was covered. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, go ahead and, and go back, listen to some episodes, listen to your favorite episode, you yeah. know, whatever you'd like to do. Um, but we'll just be extracting some of the themes that came up for us. And then we'll just be talking a little bit, too, about what we are taking out of it specifically and how we'd like to move forward. And of course... Um, as we, we always do, we're just inviting you to do something similar, which is um, listen and extract and, and figure out what it is you want to take out of this conversation and, and move into your everyday life. Yeah, bring to your own spaces. If it's, you know, your own dance spaces. I know right now we're, you know, not going in socials and some of us are not taking classes or whatever, but just start thinking forward as, you know, what is my, what is this reckoning that we've had with, uh, racism in this country which you know it's a reckoning that we have it seems like we have every year but mm -hmm, every uh, day every yes so what it is that from from all the information that our guests have provided as well as the, the one that we facilitated what can you or as we're doing right now what can uh, we take into our 
the spaces in which we dance, the spaces in which we listen to music, but also in general, as, as Walter said in, in his message, the other spaces of our lives, you know, where our families, in our work, in, in all of these things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the dance space is only one space we operate yeah. in, so. And Jordan said it, Kimberly said it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's so interesting because as we, we started this, I can say for myself, I knew that as it's been said, you know, dance is a microcosm of the outside world as we know it. Uh, or maybe I didn't know it. You know, like it's, it has become so much clearer to me in this time than it had been um, maybe two months ago for me. Yeah, no, that gets into, into the first thing that I think we, we want to answer uh, for ourselves as well as whoever has been following the series is what are we getting out of this? What are you getting out of it? I think you just answered that question, but. Um... One thing that I'm getting specifically out of this is uh, how I bring myself to uh, the dance space and the culture and how I use um, my, my body in terms of dancing to represent my culture um, and, and represent it well and with reverence and honor that's a huge thing. Like I, there's a heightened awareness that I have now. Thanks to these episodes. Um, dance is not just dancing. I don't think it, it ever had been just dance. It, there was meaning assigned to dancing. Now there's deeper meaning, mm-hmm. I guess for me. Um, and the other thing is I recognized through this, through these episodes that, um, I, the way I function in the dance scene, um, as a Puerto Rican woman, a black Puerto Rican woman, um, there's still some things that I had missed because I'm Puerto Rican, um, that African-American women experience because they are African-American. Um, and I think there's a blend and I'll say more about that later, but, um, I'm recognizing some of the, in the Latin dance space specifically, some of the privilege I bring with me because I'm quote unquote of the culture and so people have assumptions about who I am related to my identity because I'm Puerto Rican and dancing salsa yeah what about you um I'll start by saying you know when we started when we started the project or even earlier when we started thinking about the (laughs) project and we were like oh we should have a podcast about this um I want to think like place myself in that in that point in time and be like, okay, is is what we have right now responding, or or is it is that really you know is the outcome that we have actually uh, what we wanted to have in the first place? Mm-hmm. And I would I would think it's it's better yeah. than than what what I even imagined was going to be. Um, um, you know, we can take a little bit of credit, but most of the credit of making it as good as it's been, it's actually on the guests and, and the experiences that they've had. Because as you were saying, sometimes as Afro-Latinos, being from the culture and, and this idea of, you know, the blanket of being Colombian, the blanket of being Puerto Rican, kind of serves as a smokescreen for not seeing other issues mm-hmm. that 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 emerge in, in the dance and in the music so i think that's has been i was i was already sort of sensitive to those issues but having the having guests uh, speak on those topics has uh, heightened my understanding of those issues i think and i think definitely has um 
definitely corresponds to what we were thinking back then as you know we should have a podcast for this i think we've we've definitely uh sort of gone deep deep into what we wanted to explore yeah um, so shout out to our guests shout out to yeah. victor and sharita and lauren yeah. and kimberly and all the lovely people who the decided to yes. listeners absolutely because again my my mind has been expanded from these conversations like the mel here today is um significantly more aware than the mel two or three months ago yeah like you best believe if if we could have a social um or even you know we still we still have dance practice in in a socially distance responsive way a responsible way um uh, even then when when i listen to the songs when i dance is is this what you were mentioning but i think your dad also mentions is this idea of like a heightened respect for the dance and the mm-hmm. music it's mm-hmm. like not only it serves the joy uh but it's also serves other purposes um and also it helps us understand that yes you know uh we enjoy doing these activities but also these activities are not exempt from from the culture in which they're dancing in particular in the US from the racism and in Latin America as well from the racism and the colorism and the classism and all the other things that uh, our guests and the classism that our guests mm-hmm. have mentioned so that recognition yeah. as well it's something that I've taken away I, th- I think in the diversity of voices that we had um, in these episodes really elevated for me um, the diversity of perspectives as it relates to how the Latin dancing functions. So me, I am, I would consider myself just strictly a consumer of um, classes, a consumer of socials. Like I feel like the, the both of us may fit in the Victor and Sharita um, uh, lane in which you know, we, we consume the dance and the art and the culture through these avenues of social dancing and classes and uh, for us for, through family. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kimberly and Lauren, really offered a perspective about um the market yeah. of latin dance mm-hmm. that i that i, I can't familiar say with yeah as familiar i tell you i i probably didn't think twice about it mm-hmm. to be honest so um i know that's one theme that that came out of it the economics of yeah. dance yeah 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 that that are very important because you know the and I, I guess one thing that would differentiate us, you know, our episode, our own episode from from uh, Victor's and Charitas, is that we're social dancers that are quote unquote from the Latin culture. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's so we 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 bring that perspective as in you know as as Latinx people, how do we you know relate to the music? And then Charita and Victor, you know, as Af- as African Americans how they relate to the music and, and something that you said that Victor also said, this idea of communication, that it's actually very um, beautiful of how the dance serves the purpose also of communication mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that Victor highlighted that I thought it was, it was very interesting um, as well. We've touched on the themes that I think we'll be covering, which yeah. is the economics, which is identity, which is obviously the racism, varied um, perspectives, the market, all of that. Yeah. Um, so just thinking about identity and color, um, which we really dove in into that first episode. Um, yeah, because that's the whole, um, I mean, if you haven't figured out by now, <laughs> the name of the, of the podcast, it actually has to do with this idea of identity, right? Yeah. So 
either because of we come from cultures that are very mixed or because our parents mm-hmm. themselves uh, made us into a mixture. In my case, you know, my dad is um, Afro-descendant from Colombia and my mom is sort of more some white mestiza type of uh, mixture, but both of them mix. And, and I think from something that we were talking about earlier is that from that, even from, from then to now, I, I've had discussions with my, with my aunts about my, my mom's mother, which is, again, my mom is sort of the white person in the mix. It turns out that my grandmother on my mom's side is also, was also the daughter, as they tell the story, my aunts tell the story, from a mestizo, uh, sort of white mestizo, and, and an Afro-descendant. So it comes from both sides of the family, mm-hmm. it, it turns out. Uh, and it's sometimes interesting, as, as I've told you in other conversations, how my mom's side of the family don't see themselves very much into the, or don't recognize themselves as much as having sort of mm-hmm. that part of their um, roots. Yeah. Even after descendants. I mean, they may not look like it, of course, but, uh, and maybe that's the reason why they don't recognize themselves yeah. as well. And, and that gets us into this idea of that we were talking about not only what is your identity? What defines your identity? Is it what people see? Mm-hmm. And I've had people say this to me as well. Uh, you know, what defines blackness is whether or not people see you as black. Right, right. And I'm not sure that's a good definition. Um, yeah. And also the, the other thing that we talked about, which was this constant question of, am I X enough? Yeah. Am I Latin enough? Am I Puerto Rican enough? Am I black enough? Am I what it is that I am? Uh, yeah. And to be clear, at least for um, for me, um, and I, I think for you too, uh, for me being um, born in the United States and... Well, I was not born in the United States. Well, for me, sorry. <laughs> for me being born in the United States and, and having Puerto Rican parents, for you born in, in Colombia... Um, this this idea of um and to be clear right colombia having its own issues with colorism and uh puerto rico having its own issues with colorism and just all of what we call latin Mm -hmm. america having their issues with colorism but so to reconcile um and and define who you are and how you identify like this is for me, this is fluid and not, not to say that it changes depending on where I am. That's not what I mean by fluid. It, it means that the, the more I think about who I am and my proximity to blackness mm-hmm. and the more I think about that and how that was created over time, there are a lot of questions <laughs> about how exactly do I identify ethnically and racially. And so the, the umbrella term to say I'm Puerto Rican feels like the easiest thing, mm-hmm. but we're functioning in a country that pays a lot of attention to race. Um, and so that plays a role in, in the way that we see ourselves and in the way that even though it's socially constructed, it has meaning socially. And so there are implications for um, really figuring out where you belong there. Yeah. And it's both, it's, it's an interesting discussion because it's both how you see yourself and also, of course, it has to do with how people see yourself. I don't think it's mm-hmm. one or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, probably the, the most important one would be how you see yourself as in what your culture is, but also it's how people see yourself. Yeah. You know, people like, uh, I'm going to include you there, people mm-hmm. like us mm-hmm. uh, can pass in different spaces as different things. So, but also that also means that um, I think in, in part of the work uh, 
or the, the, the lessons that we got in, uh, even from our conversations with Sharita, as, as she was saying, also how sometimes people think, oh, you know, you're not, you know, you, if you dance like that, you must be also mm. have, you know, some Latin in your mixture or whatever. Uh, it's that people like us can sometimes not intentionally, um, but we enjoy a privilege of if people want to see us as less black, they can. If if it's comfortable for them mm. to see us as being, you know, more like as recognizes more recognizes more as the mixed people. Right. And it, this is this relate gets a little bit well, to what like, Jose said. And that's why it's different between like for instance for, for Sharita as an African American woman or as the black woman, um, who if someone says, Oh, are you also this? And she's like, yeah. No, mm-hmm. I'm not. But if someone asks asks me, Oh, are you Puerto Rican? I'm like, Yeah. I mean, no one ever assumes I'm Puerto Rican, but like if they <laughs> <laughs> if they assume I'm from the Caribbean in some way, and I might say, actually I'm Puerto Rican, like that you're right. I'm I'm fitting into their idea of what is appropriate for a person to be dancing this style mm-hmm. of music and why it makes sense for me to dance it the way yeah. I do. Yeah. So the 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 um, I do think that this idea of identity has to do both with yes, with what we think of ourselves. Um, because as we were discussing before, like in my in my mom's family, I'm like the darkest of all the cousins. You're and, negrito. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a negrito, but then, you know, I come here and it's just like, yeah. you know, you're some light-skinned Mexican or something. Mm-hmm. And again, not that I dislike that because I did live in Mexico. But, it's, so, it's, but I mean, speaking to that, like you were just about to mention what Ho- Jose had said and, and people seeing him, Jose was one of the, the community they were, members. They were comfortable as seeing him yes. as the... As uh, a white American, because he behaved in a way that was socially acceptable to white American standards, and um, it was hard to swallow that he was actually a to, to think of him as a as a as a person of Mexican descent. Right. It was hard for them to, so it was easier for them to see right. him as uh, sort of the. I, I can't remember what the words that he said. The good Mexicans. He said, yes, he said, yes. Is, if you haven't listened to Jose's. We'll probably post it yeah, in the next we'll, couple we'll days. It is great. Um, um, but yeah, this idea, and, and I think it has to do with, again, both. I, I am definitely against the idea of defining your identity based on how people see you, because that risks, in my view, uh, given power to um, mostly, uh, most of the times, white people. And again, I, as, a, as a mixed person that can pass, especially in the U.S., as... I'm either just Latino, and, and again, Latin means all of the races. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, because Latino is not a race. Yeah, but at the same time, people think of it as as a way of racially separating a group versus another group. Um, so here it's like I can move kind of between mm-hmm. being Latino and being an Afro-descendant and this and that, and, and I recognize that privilege. So some people cannot do that kind of thing. Some people mm-hmm. are just always... Uh, and I'm not even sure in the U.S. Some people would always be seen as, say, Afri- African American, or even if they're from uh, Latin America, they may always be seen that way. So I recognize the privilege from. It has to do with the fact that I'm, I guess, light skin, and also the fact that my hair is not as curly as other people's hair, so I can sort of shift between what people see me, and that, of course, gives 
gives me advantages in the sense that I, I, I'm going to go ahead and assume that the police are not as brutal with me mm-hmm. as they would be with somebody of a darker skin. But it's not, but even then, I wouldn't think that the definition of my identity should rely or should depend on how people see me in the States, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that's, and that's something that I talked about in the first episode. As in, it's, it's been a struggle and it was a struggle. And it's also something that uh, Sharita mentioned when it came to, again, how people see her. And, and, and I think some of, of the things that uh, she mentions of work, the things to work on is people need to start and this applies for not only Afro-descendant people, African-Americans, this applies for Asian-descendant uh, people and people from pretty much everywhere. Just do the work and stop making assumptions. And, and sometimes when it, like, why do you need to ask the question of what are you, right? So it's... Oh, I hate that question. Yeah, just, just accept the fact that some, people, some people's ethnicities are... You can't categorize just by seeing them and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And... and- uh, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, how categorizing is so prevalent in, in the United yeah. States and um, just the differences globally and in the United States as it relates to how we see racism. And, um, you know, there's this umbrella uh, if you're from a, a Spanish speaking country or probably anywhere else um, that if you are black or white and Puerto Rican, well, at least you're Puerto Rican, so we can agree on that one, right? But in the United States, it's either you are white, Caucasian, and that's what makes you, um, as people in the United States like to call American. Um, yeah, because you discovered that, because, that for us, America, America is one continent. There's, be, no, because, there's no two. Yes, Andres um, taught me today that in Colombia, and probably most of South America, um, it's the continent North and South America are considered one continent, which is America. And in the United States, we learned that there is North and South America, which are two separate continents. And I'm sure people have learned both in very many other parts of the world, but I learned that today. Um, But in the United States, right, to to be considered quote unquote American um, is to be white Caucasian and then everyone else who does not fit into that is categorized into these these other things that American uh, these un-American which things. makes absolutely no sense given that first of all the natives yeah <laughs> uh, of course we're not white by any means uh, and also the fact that a huge part of Africans as well as people from other places in the world are also part uh, I think that the second largest uh, community of Japanese people is also Latin America in Brazil outside of Japan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's definitely not only why. Um, uh, it, it has all of the, you know, all the different races mixed in. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm interested in, in having a geography lesson yeah. very soon <laughs> about the, the creation of, of continents and yeah, who says the, what. It's and something and that, that reminds me of something I want to say, which is uh, as, a, as a Latin American, sometimes I feel, and this, I mean, most Latin Americans would tell me this, that this discussion, not only race discussions, but discussions about you know economic development and, and intellectual discussions and all of this, when you have them with people that are from the U.S., are always very U.S. centric, which is almost you know it's it's not only I don't want to say it's always the U.S. person's fault in the sense that the U.S. is indeed still the leading economy in the world, and as such, you know there's more. Uh, responsibility and and there's more uh, sort of role that the U.S. plays in the world absolutely Um, but at the same time 
it's there's a little bit of that American ex U.S. Ex exceptionalism that gets to people's heads unconsciously. Yeah. And even when it comes to racism, the idea of being the idea of blackness is very U.S. centric sometimes mm -hmm. in, in mm -hmm. discussions. And and I want I want I I'm saying that because I wanted to highlight that that was not my feeling in with any of the guests that we had. Mm -hmm. It it was never uh, which is I I've had these conversations like this in which you know you don't even know what being black is uh, kind of feeling in these conversations where where I'm like, listen, the U.S. is not the only place where black people live. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not yeah. even the place with the highest percentage of diasporic mm -hmm. people in America. That's Brazil. Um, so it's, it's, it's something that happens, but it's something that I was very glad to not see with our guests that, that U.S. And I'm not surprised because... Um, People from oppressed groups usually, at some point in their life, develop sort of this chip that tells them, you know, maybe we're not, maybe that exceptionalism that they sold us, it's a lie. Um, and it makes sense because, of course, the ones that get the benefit from the exceptionalism are usually white people um, and rich people because of the, you know, the wars and all this and in America, it's the dominant thing. Um, but anyway. That was identity. That was one thing that we recognize. Yes, one one thing that we recognize is identity, and and sticking to the the topic of racism, um, as we see it in the Latin dance scene in the United States, um, we talked a lot about how um, covert racism is and in, in the Latin dance scene and how it operates in these very subtle ways. Um, I don't think there was a time in the, the podcast where we could identify a very overt way mm -hmm. that racism um, functions. And for me, it, it really stood out to me in that um, this is a, a paradigm that we uh, have been trained to think in and behave in. Um, and we saw it in ways, or it was, it was brought up in ways like, um, Black women not being asked to dance, mm -hmm. the black women being served less at the bar, black women not being hired, um, assumptions that we make about black women based on these historically created narratives like hypersexualization, yeah. black women uh, dancers are unpolished and cannot be trained, um, they can't physically meet this Eurocentric style. Yeah, I think and the, most, the most overt one was probably. Uh, Probably when Lauren said that somebody told her, you know, you're, you have weak ankles because mm -hmm. you're black and that's not going to change because mm -hmm. you're black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mm -hmm. think that's the one thing that was like. And, and that's true too. That is, that is overt. But even the way that Lauren understood that because she trusted that person as, um, as an instructor, as an instructor, as a person of it, authority. It, that as was a very exactly. And, and it was, it was like, Oh, then this must be true. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's another thing that I think probably all of the at least all of the episodes if not all of the uh, people that that spoke said something about um these assumptions made on black people but very specifically on on black women um and i'd like to reflect on this yeah specifically related to black women um not being asked to dance as often as maybe white women or fairer skin women mm -hmm. in hindsight you know when i first moved here um i would go to a couple socials whenever i could and um i would be at the social for maybe 
35, 45 minutes. Um, and not one person had asked me to dance. And my assumption at the time was, well, I'm new to this area and maybe like people just don't know me. They don't know that I can dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if those first socials that I, I went to, I had to ask people they to were, dance. Maybe they were assuming you can't dance. <laughs> they were probably assuming I can't, I couldn't, right? Yeah. But like may, my question now, because of what I've heard from all the women mm-hmm. guests who have shared was, was that my experience at that time? Yeah, it's, it, was it's, I not being asked to dance simply because of the assumptions about my ability to dance? Like yeah. you're saying, because I am um, black. And even when I would, let's say I'd ask um, our instructor, James Cobo, I mean, James always asked me to dance in the first mm-hmm. couple socials that I went to, but um, I would ask other people to dance and I would dance and still nobody would ask yeah. me to dance. And I was like, this is a thing that I did not realize existed and and has this affected me in this way. And it's so subtle. And and I think in your case, it's, I might not, actually, I take that back because I was going to say, maybe it's because, again, this umbrella of, of being Latina, so you, you don't recognize that that may be a thing. Mm-hmm. But Lauren said the exact same thing. She was like, oh, maybe that's the reason why I didn't get as much. Um, and she mentioned that being a specific issue when it comes to Sook, um, mm. which, uh-huh. you know, I, I know nothing about, but she was like, yeah, if, when I go to Sook events, I get asked even less. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that, that, that theme of um, all the assumptions that, you know, the assumptions, good and bad, because as, as, as Brianna also highlighted in, 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 in her Mijente clip, the assumptions that, 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 society mates of black women uh, change across uh, frontiers or, mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. different countries. Like in Colombia, it would be like, you, you, you gotta know how to dance. dance. Of course you of dance. Of course you know how to, come of on, course, girl. <laughs> of course you know, yeah. yeah, like the assumption is you got the flavor. I yeah. mean, like, I'm gonna dance with you, like you better know how to dance. Whereas here it's like, okay, like I guess you, you know, you're on technical or you don't probably don't know how to dance or as Sherita was saying, probably the only thing you know how to do is twerk. Right, right. Um, and then, so I'm going to turn you over and see, you know, if I can get some of that. So it's, it's that which takes us into that sort of hypersexualization of the black women's body that was mentioned as well mm-hmm. uh, by, I think Sherita as well as, as Tiara and, and her experience in Korea. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, how the, just by virtue of, of, of the of the black women's body on average because not every black women's body is curvy Mm-mm. right so it's it's just that that impression again it's that, assumptions exactly, that you're making that about these women's of, bodies mm-hmm, yeah that assumption of you know the they probably like it or the, that that idea of i just like shivered yeah. like yeah, yeah. oh so my that, gosh so many just wrong assumptions about about black women that are made you know that the, the ones that you mentioned and how that has an effect as, as Lauren and Kimberly mentioned that has a psychological toll mm-hmm. on them because at the beginning yes as Lauren and you were saying maybe you don't realize it you're like oh maybe this is a new place yeah. I don't know yeah. but at some point it clicks and that has a psychological toll on, on, on you oh yeah absolutely um, one thing I, I also wanted to bring up back from um, what Victor was saying, um, and he mentioned this so briefly, but I think it's so important to to highlight, and that was the perceived threat of, of, the, black of the black man. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it, the way he talked about it, it wasn't in this um, this 
and and maybe he can explain more at another time or um but it wasn't like oh i think this black man is going to be violent towards me but just the perceived threat of him maybe taking somebody else's taking, woman taking the white, I mean, that's, like, that's like going, taking it all the way back to the freaking yeah. 80s and 1700s like the black man taking the white woman and that's, then what would that mean for that black man victor having to uh be more hyper aware yeah. of his surroundings who he asks to dance making mm -hmm. sure that um he's not putting himself he's not putting himself which is a crazy thing to say mm -hmm. he's not putting himself in a, in a position where someone would want to retaliate because he asked someone to dance yeah and simply it's, because he's a black man who i asked mean that's literally dance. like the the way in which in which the first movies depicted the black man so yeah like it's just like the the threat to the the threat to the purity mm -hmm. of the of the white women um so it's it's very interesting that you highlight that because it was very subtle and and he said it very briefly because he focused on on um black women which is you know it, it makes sense because you know black women's voices are not uh haven't been broadcasted not that black men's voices have been broadcasted much but Black women's voices have been broadcasted even less. Yeah. Uh, so it, it makes sense for for the man that we had to to try to um, elevate even more the black women's voices. Mm -hmm. But that, as you're saying, that got mentioned very briefly. But it, you can trace that back all the way to the representation mm -hmm. of the black man in, in media, honesty, in media and, yeah. and the American culture yeah. as this threat, this threat to your property, this threat, and, and and women as an extension to your property as a white man then the black man is also a, a threat to that property of yours. And this, you had started to mention this, but this does continue to go into the psychological toll of um, being black in, in these scenes or just like in the United States in general. So for, for a black man, that hypervigilance and being aware and, and what are people thinking about um, my level of threat to mm -hmm. them, um, black women being aware of being taken advantage of because of these assumptions of, of their hyper, quote unquote, hyper sexuality. Or looking unprofessional because really this, this things about being unpolished and mm -hmm. untechnical and unknowing how to, how mm -hmm. to dance, you can trace that also, link it back to this idea of, of the black women's appearance being unprofessional mm -hmm. right? the, just the natural appearance yeah. of a human being somehow being unprofessional right right, so that's, right um the the emotional toll of so that layered on with like you know you can't do this you can't dance this way you can't look this technical layered on with for kimberly and lauren being professional dancers um black women who are dancers and so here you are trying to exude as much excellence as possible and in a way um, working twice as hard because you're trying to meet this standard and then also not being you know recognized as up to par with others because mm -hmm. I think uh, the way Lauren said it, it just hit different when a yeah. black person does it right yeah. so um, the psychological toll that might take in training I mean in in going out dancing just socially it's, and that's it's a lot to carry yeah no and that's really takes us into how how uh, as, as kimberly said it as well how this this how the systematic racism sort of trickles down into all mm -hmm. these interactions right how mm -hmm. of course the the 
minorities, and in this particular case, African-Americans have had less resources over time because, well, guess what? You couldn't own anything mm -hmm. for a while, and then you were owned for a while as well. So all the wealth that you developed from working, guess what? It, it got taken away from you because somehow you were property of another human being. So all that wealth, all that knowledge, all the human capital as well, the, uh, because you know you couldn't get education, it was you know reserved for the white. Mm -hmm. All of that gets also again manifested here because now, okay, so I think that you can do something because you're black, but guess what? It's because it's Kimberly and, and somewhere guest said, it's because we didn't have the resources to begin mm -hmm. with. So we couldn't have been getting trained yeah. since, since we were five years old. And then those resources being expensive as hell. <laughs> so you don't even have uh, access, even if you tried, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think mm -hmm. um, Kimberly mentioned, even some of uh, the the white folks who attended like the same yeah. place where she trained would like take out like a second, yeah, uh, second mortgage. mortgage on their their home just to get and then so okay you can do that when you have property right yeah, but you, you can't do that you when can you do that don't with your have first mortgage <laughs> like, right so uh, uh, there the lack of access and and because you've inherited this lack of wealth over the years yeah and, and that creates that impression that somehow you're unable to do things and it's just literally the fact that they will you know they didn't have the resources to devote that other people devote mm -hmm. and like if you know you can again you can trace this back into society you, mm -hmm. you see all of this mostly um white people that have resources having their kids you know going to uh, all sorts of classes, fencing mm -hmm. classes and, and uh, swimming classes and whatnot and really getting into it, like specializing mm -hmm. in it so that they get into a really nice college. Yeah. And you think like you think that has no effect? Come on. like yeah. Well, that's just like I had talked about in the first episode, like thinking I was like, oh, I'm going to be an English major and because I really love to read and write yeah. and then go to class. And then you and realize that they've had a whole, whoo, they had a whole bunch of resources. A whole mile on you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, I have to catch up, yeah. you know, and, and, and that really speaks to the intersection of uh, race and class and ethnicity and gender and, and how that all um, just is in that wheel of racism and it's just um, affecting people in the Latin dance yeah community included um yeah so i would i would like to then jump in here and say um something also that was uh, mentioned several times with the was the idea of aesthetics yes. of which it's kind of related to what we're saying right the idea that the look a, a, a black and specifically a black woman's look is somehow not fitting of this of the aesthetic of um you know a performance and mm -hmm. Which, which make, again, as, as our guests and, and we discussed with them said, it's sort of countercultural. So if this is one part in which, in which I think um, for those of us, or for those of you, if you're listening and, and you own teams and, and, and work with these kinds of things, uh, something to work on is there is no need or, or, or at least question the need for your dancers to fit a single norm and mm -hmm. in this case a normative sort of white norm of beauty and understand on the one hand that the first people that dance these dances did not look like that uh, and on the other hand that the people who dance the dances right now look in very different various mm -hmm. ways mm -hmm. and there's no need to kill the diversity right. for for the sake of uniformity um, yeah and i, I think 
what I appreciated about the hair conversation, number one, and I had mentioned this in, uh, I think it was the episode with Sharita, you know, sometimes I felt like bringing that up, it was just like, it's not a big deal. Like, I felt like I was making a big deal out of it, but it's clear that um, I wasn't making a big deal out of it. Um, but, you know, you're, I'm realizing it's it's more than just hair. Yes. It's like a changing of who you are. I want you to change who you are for this um, look that we're going for and to fit our market. Yeah. Um, because the curls don't fit the 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 consumer base we're trying to to reach, yeah. and, uh, and or the it doesn't fit not just the consumer base but like uh, the story we're trying to tell about yeah. what this dance is. Yeah, we, I don't know. Again, it's it's a little countercultural, and I think as as Lauren and and I think Kimberly also said, we need to start questioning those ideas. That's this is part of the of the things that they contribute of, of the things that our guests contributed as in things to step forward to move forward that you know everybody listening but in particular people in positions of power in the community is, is start questioning those norms of beauty or how things are supposed to look or you know why why is it that we think that that is the professional dancers look like why yeah. do you have to modify i mean if, if we were to like really be take it to the extreme it does similar to just saying you know can you use powder that makes your face a little whiter <laughs> it's why do you need to change something about your hair yeah. unless you're listen unless you're gonna say what charita said unless you're gonna say okay so for this choreo we're all gonna have straight hair and then for the next choreo we're all gonna have curly hair i'm in for it if you're gonna make it <laughs> you're gonna make it fair to everyone then display all sorts of styles and and in that case okay it's homogeneous but diverse yeah. Which makes no sense, let mm. me tell you, because you have to have people be modifying for all sorts of right. reasons. Right, I, st I still have, I don't know, I still have but, that. Yeah, but it's crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? So if you, if you were to ask, you know, all of your dancers to have curly hair, that would... And then people would flip out. Exactly. Well, what do you mean I can't get it like this? Exactly. Well, like, well welcome to my world. Why, why is the opposite then, you know, so well accepted? But, you know, you said something while we were planning that I think is really important to highlight, and I don't want to miss this. Um, you said that, um, or a way that you can see it, is that this kind of uni un uniformity appears to be in service to the market rather mm -hmm. than the art itself. And you talked about dance being a, a very untraditional product yeah, to sell. An, so say economist. more about that, because yes. I, really I really like that. Yes, of course, the economist and had to come out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was, I was and, I, and the example I was using is that, you know, you're, as as a as a person presenting uh, performances and and honestly, if you train dancers, dancers into a community, you're you're not selling computers, right? So if if I if I'm selling computers and people like and I actually have a paper in this on my <laughs> and, and on how demand drives Google him and, uh, yeah, Andresinkavia.com um, and how how demand drives the characteristics of the products that enter the market. This is exactly what we. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> He's having flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly what what uh, Kimberly and Lauren mentioned, and what, what we're just talking right now. If if I'm selling computers, and and the market wants computers with bigger screens, I'm gonna give it to them because that's where the profits are, right? So if I'm if uh, if they want if they want more funds or, or like different keyboards, that's what I'm, I'm gonna put it there so they buy it. Dance is a different type of product because as you were as you were saying, it integrates. It's not only what the it's not only what the what the consumer want, you're selling, you're selling um, 
an experience of a culture. Mm -hmm. And I think you have even better words that I don't remember at the time what it was you said, but it's like you're saying you're you're selling this experience of a culture. So it's not only it's not a it's not a sort of a product that has no link to 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 any culture. You're right. selling part of a culture, so, you, so there's a sense of responsibility yeah. into what that culture means and, and who developed that culture and who belongs and to And not culture. just a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a culture like yeah. Sharita said. Like and that's what we're seeing, right? Mm -hmm. That you're you're selling this photocopy of a photocopy and it's almost unrecognizable. But ideally what should be sold what should be sold gosh do you hear me yeah. what we should be representing yeah. you know sometimes it's monetized uh is culture not this like uh photocopied unrecognizable yeah i think, I think as, we, as we get into the economics part of it because it's a uh, uh, and victor i think was the the first one um of our guests who mentioned this um the idea of, or the reality, honestly, that this the the dances and the music and the culture itself um, is now a way for for people to make money, uh, mm -hmm. and which is fine. You know, you make a living out of uh, enjoying this culture and and spreading this culture, and but selling this type of products, selling certain as you call them cultural products. I now remember mm -hmm. uh, has a responsibility attached to it because you could be. You could, I mean, you could ignore it as, as uh, Sharita said, and yeah. be a completely profiteer. Yeah, and, and, and many people have. And many people have. Most. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, part of the work that I think uh, has to come out of, or we hope has, that we hope comes out <laughs> we of. We hope to, AKA must come out yeah, of this. That yeah. we hope come out of, of conversations like this, not only the one that we're, uh, providing in, in, in mixtape, but also we hope it are happening in other communities, is for people to start uh, questioning also, you know, as, as people who, 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 whose life or whose living come from selling these cultural products, um, start thinking, of, and, and many, of, many of them do, I mean, like, as, as uh, Kimberly was saying, you know, she, she's not in Golan, but she tries to do her research and, and understand what Semba and Tisomba means from Angolan so that she could communicate as she as she teaches the dances also the history of what this movement represents and why you know how it how it uh, came to be so that responsibility is something important that I think the 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 people who who make profit and and not in a bad way making profit out of out of the culture I don't think it's a bad thing uh, a lot of us from the culture do it because it's our living again and it's a way of spreading the culture I have nothing against it if anything it's, it's good because mm -hmm. you're spreading the culture you have to make a living of course uh but also is on top of that or or together with that along with that is a responsibility mm -hmm. of spreading also the culture itself not only the photocopy of the photocopy of i'm just gonna i'm just gonna teach you you know put your hand at it put mm -hmm. it down and i'm not gonna tell you that so soon you know cutting something or going, sorry, cutting something. It's 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 the it's the the need for also explaining where the dances come, the roots where these dances come, the the pain that was also part mm -hmm. of how the dances were generated and the music. I think it's part of the responsibility that the people making money out of this uh, need to work a little bit more. Yeah, and and I I really loved Kimberly kind of just putting it out there she's like I am I'm black but like African-American from the U.S. black not mm -hmm. Angolan um, black so 
and I appreciated that because it, it demonstrated how hard she works to make sure that all of her consumers understand where this is coming from culturally. Um, and we're not exempt from that work, even as consumers. So mm -hmm. the, although part of, I guess, a takeaway is that there should be some responsibility that um, owners of, of dance uh, companies should take on to cultivate that, that uh, culture within their, their practice, but also like our responsibility as consumers to be able to learn more about the history and um, the art of the dance. Yeah, and, and um, Lauren said this also about something that, that prevents us from thinking deeper or thinking more cr critically uh, of ourselves as we function in this dance community is that most of us, as we get into, into dancing, become nerds, as you said, become mm -hmm. nerds of the dance. We're like, wanna know all the songs mm -hmm. and like, we, we, we do, we, you know, we research this and that and how do that move, how do they move? But I think it has to do with, even though that is true, and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have gone through that phase and, and I still am on this phase since year five of my life, but mm -hmm. still again, think even, even more critically, um, because, you know, as, as many of the listeners say and guests, yes, the, the dance community is inclusive, probably more inclusive than the average society yeah. uh, space, societal space, but it's not exempt, right? Yeah. So if we, because we appreciate this community so much and we enjoy it so much and some of us, our businesses are uh, based on um, fostering this community, which is not you know, again, has nothing wrong with it. It's actually great that, that, uh, that you're spreading the culture. We, uh, that we understand um, that responsibility as well. We, we don't have a lot of time left, mm -hmm. but um, I think we have um, an invitation. And um, I think we, we can declare what inner work that we want to do personally. So let's start with that. Let's start with there. Let's, de let's declare, decree what inner work that, um, and it, do it doesn't have to be all the things. Mm -hmm. It could just be one thing that I'm walking into tomorrow doing um, differently um, because of what I've heard in, in, these pop in the, the episodes and because of what we've processed, right? Um, so what inner work do you want to do? I'll let you go first since I'm oh, asking wow. the question. Okay. <laughs> you played me. Uh, what <laughs> inner work... The, the the thing that is most um, that I can think of the most is as the ways in which I function question critically the ways in which I function mostly in social dancing actually mm -hmm. it's it's what comes to mind um, from that I keep I keep getting that message from all of our guests is that way of you know question the ways in which you function question the reasons why you ask certain people versus other people. Uh, question the ways in which you think of people. Um, I think uh, Kimberly said something like that uh, about, you know, you, you may see a person that is plus size or a person that is black or a person that is this and that, and you just kind of just, you know, you say, no, that's not going to be, sometimes not even consciously. Yeah. yeah. Um, so approaching, approaching this uh, spaces with a little bit more uh, of critical thinking about my behavior in the spaces, yeah. I think it's the inner work, the, the, not the main, the niche, initial inner work that I, I think I would want to uh, embark upon. I, I would add to that, 
I would say your thing and, because <laughs> that was good. Um, that and, I, for me, I really want to build more of an awareness of um, not only how I'm functioning in those spaces, but also how I operate when I am using dance as an escape. And not to say that you can't use dance to cope or to like, that's perfectly fine. And it's been pretty successful for me to use dance in a way that could um, facilitate some form of happiness. Um, but also um, understanding that there's a whole rich history in the expression of and, and movement of your body to tell a story. And I want personally to build an awareness of the ways that I do that responsibly and how I carry myself. No, I agree with that. And, and it's funny how the, again, the things that we keep saying are things that our guests in some, at some point touched on. Um, they all sowed these seeds for sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, the, it's this idea of making the dance fuller, richer, wholer, yes. as, as Lauren, as Lauren said, uh, when she was talking about, you know, how in ballroom they, like pay millions of uh, thousands of dollars to learn through emotion and they don't even know what that means right. for, like for real so it's i also think as you were saying i uh, i i mean i i i really hope we can we can um social dance soon <laughs> um, but i understand that that's not going to happen soon but still i th i think of myself forward as when i'm social dancing uh, and i think now i have even more meaning to what i'm going to be bringing yeah um, or even when we perform if we if we you know we're part of that company so when we perform we're also or even in practice honestly or like, even when you're just like dancing in yeah, the parking yeah, lot yeah, or yeah. dancing or in your we, house yeah, or you, being around certain like, song certain song comes in and you're yeah. like now now that has that extra meaning extra richness that um some again and for me sometimes and as we were talking about before I had some of that already by virtue of just speaking Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. So you 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 sit and the song comes out, and if you understand Spanish, you're gonna understand what the lyrics are. And at some point, it hits in your head: Oh my God, they're talking about racism. They're talking about you know classism. They're talking about uh, you know harassment against women, or or they're being harassed to women in the song itself. And we'll we'll get to that in the future. <laughs> um, so all of these things, again, were already kind of in my head because of, you know, I understand the songs and the lyrics, but paying attention is a different thing. Yes. Paying attention to be like, okay, let me sit down mm -hmm. and let me, you know, put myself in the context of where the song was written right. and what, the, what it was that they were saying. Right. And over history, all this, as, as we keep putting songs and songs in the, in the, in the mixtape playlist, there's so many songs that have been developed throughout so many years mm -hmm. <laughs> saying these things and, 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 you know, hammering on the issues and even I'm sort of, you know, I know a lot of the songs that I'm surprised We've about. been hearing them, but we haven't been listening yes. to them. And that's, you Is know, that that's, I appreciate you for, for giving us um, a summary or a translation of what a lot of um, the songs on our playlist have been saying, uh, because it's very easy to just fall in love with the instruments yeah, yeah, and the sound so, of someone's yeah. voice yeah. <laughs> and not truly listen to what they're saying. Another part of the inner work that I wanted to do has to do, um, and, and this may take me a little, a slightly bit in contrast to what some of our guests say, um, at least the way in which I interpret some of what they say, or, or I wanna make sure we clarify and that we're on the same page of how I interpret it. Um, 
I myself, um, and uh, this is speaking, you know, again, Andres, I, I do not want to, or it's not my intention to encourage what I think in some conversation we call pity dancing. Yeah, we, we in our single, we talked about, um, yes, in, in our single, we talked about uh, the difference between empathy and pity. And so as we learn about the experiences of Black women who aren't mm -hmm. able to dance because they're not being asked to dance, um, the the solution isn't to have now pity on the black woman. Yeah, and then go dance with them with like yes. a pity attitude. No, yes. the, 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 the work is to recognize that the reason why you were not dancing with them in the first place has nothing to do with their technique or, or you know, anything that has to do with the actual dance. It's just actually some, a little bit of a conscious racism. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so, so if anything, the pity is on us who have been sort of blind to this unconscious bias and we don't want to bring that because nobody wants to be given something because of pity right and and it's and it's unnecessary and unwelcome what what we want is for that work to deliver a recognition that the that there's a bias and therefore the bias needs to be addressed and then asking where is this coming from once you identify where that's coming from then that's not a pity dance yeah, it's yeah. just you're recognizing what's happening inside of you and not projecting that into another person. Exactly. Actually, I think that's a, a good way to segue into our invitation. Yeah. Um, and so what we would like to invite the listeners to do is to think about uh, the ways that they've been racialized, which we, mm -hmm. we've thought and continue to think a lot about that. Um, how you all are identifying today. And how they racialize other people. How, how they race yes mm -hmm. how how we can um make it a habit to racialize other people based on our assumptions of how race should operate um and how that intersects with uh whatever area of dance that they participate in um whether it's different dance styles or different classes or social dancing or, or your team. role yeah you're the business owner or you're again the student or you're the DJ promoter. or promoter, exactly. Yeah. So um, that's our invitation to everyone. Also, and if you have reflections about what was said throughout, uh, please, you know, send us, send them our way and we're, we'll make sure to broadcast those as well. Yeah. Um, Lean into this process and um, you are going to come out with way more questions than answers, but I think that's okay. Yeah, the, and the, the more, the more, listen, the more voices we have, it's going to be all of us engaging into this process as a community, which is, that was one part of our goal that I think we still strive for achieving, is bringing even more people mm -hmm. and even more voices, an expression of how we can make this community that, again, as some of us have already said, some of our uh, guests, it's inclusive, mm -hmm. how we make it even better, how we behave in an, in an anti-racist way in this environment. Most importantly, awareness is a form of action. And if we can build awareness, we are acting every single day. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you soon with another episode in the near future. Yeah. Thank Stay you so tuned. much. Stay tuned indeed. <laughs>